So why don't you just get us up to speed on your journey so far this summer um, as you head into your senior year? Yeah. <laughs> so um, this past, really, like I want to say May 24th to the 29th, I was in a pre-law institute at the um, Southern Illinois School of Law. Um, it's in Carbondale, Illinois. Southern Illinois University School of Law, yes. Um, so it was really fun. I had to really get to sit in on some like law classes. We got to meet a lot of successful um, lawyers and judges in Memphis and in St. Louis. They took us to Memphis and St. Louis as well. Um, and then what else? We also learned about like the Iraq method, issue reasoning, analysis and conclusion, you know, how to answer certain cases. And we also, we learned ways to like figure out ways to pay for law school. But we also, like I said, we met with a lot of other black lawyers, influential lawyers, and like non-traditional students um, at the school, just letting us know like law school is hard, but you can push through it. And then towards the end, um, all the particip participants were awarded a $25,000 scholarship to the law school by the dean. So yeah, and then um, I, I flew in from Carbondale and I came back to Texas on the 29th, had to fly out to Ann Arbor <laughs> on the 31st for my own research program here. And it's been pretty fun. So, and I do research here under like basically a um, professor here, like my PI, um, who does research on the side and writes books. Um, but what I'm assisting him with is like police violence and community violence. How um, back then they would try to say it's a riot, but really it's rebellion. And trying to see how um, over the course of the years is, is it kind of like history repeating itself? And if so, can we show over policing in the same cities just in different forms and showing trying to show what people like are truly voting for and how a lot of voters are losing I want to say control like in a democracy per se so it's interesting I've been on the go I was I've been tired not gonna lie but I've been on the go I'm glad to be settled so and Ann Arbor is pretty nice too so yeah yeah well that's that's exciting you've definitely been doing a lot and we're going to get into a lot today, and we're going to do it in capsule size, guys. We're going to get into it. We're going to try to hit it and be out in 20 minutes. So if you got questions, 20, 25 minutes max. So if you got questions, get them in now. But I do want to kind of kick it off um, before we dive anything else. We're talking about Juneteenth. And yes. the reason why I want to talk about Juneteenth is I think when you live outside of the state of Texas, and particularly, you know, for me, at least June, growing up in Mississippi, Juneteenth was not something that we were really taught. It was not something that was highly publicized and informed. And therefore, I didn't know a lot about it. In fact, I didn't know anything about Juneteenth until I became an adult. Really? So let's just start there in terms of what Juneteenth is. So I'll take us back to some history, uh, 101 there. 
Okay. So this goes takes place in Galveston, Texas. If you go back to 1865, uh, you know, federal troops were sent, arriving in Galveston, Texas in 1865 to take control over the state and ensure that all the enslaved people were free. Remember, the Emancipation Proclamation, which freed slaves, was signed two and a half years earlier. Yeah, exactly. And that's what people forget. It was signed two and a half years earlier to end slavery in the United States. And it's considered, uh, Juneteenth is considered the longest running African-American holiday. Didn't know that either, did you? <laughs> no. So on June 17th, watch this now, only on June 17th of last year, it had become an official federal holiday. But if I'm not mistaken, it's still, even though it's an official federal holiday, I don't even think people were off this past Monday. If I'm not mistaken, some some people still wasn't off. Well, I, I think a lot of people, you know, it's new, one year in. Uh, so I think a lot of people, uh, employees are getting used to that new holiday because it hadn't been on the roadmap before. So we have to make sure that as African-Americans, we're bringing that up at work. We're bringing that up um, in our places to make sure people are aware that, hey, Juneteenth is now a federal holiday. And the federal government was off and they, and they, they acknowledged it. I also thought that this year, I saw a lot more emphasis on Juneteenth. You know, you had a whole big blow out there on CNN. I myself produced uh, an event with a team of, of of people I work with and okay. little like saw at the Mosaic Templars and their Juneteenth celebration, which they've done for many years. Um, and to be honest with you, I first became familiar with Juneteenth while living in the state of Arkansas. So shout out to Arkansas. They've always been very active in Juneteenth, the holiday, and probably because of its proximity to Texas and the closeness thereof. So um, just from history, I want to remind us that the Confederate general, which was Robert E. Lee, has surrendered at the Apoxmet Courthouse, uh, Apotomox Courthouse, I'm sorry, two months earlier in Virginia, but slavery had remained relatively unaffected in Texas until U.S. General Gordon Granger, it took a general, U.S. General Gordon Granger, stood on Texas soil and read the general's orders um, number three to the people of Texas that informed them that they are free. Wow. That was but two and know, a half years after Abraham Lincoln signed the Emancipation Proclamation, which freed all slaves. Mm -hmm. So like, and you know what's crazy though, because, and I want to say, you can look this up on YouTube too. It's not recent, but it is like 2015, 2016. It was one man still um, I need to look it up more so I could be more for sure. But I do know, like, he still didn't know that, you know, slavery wasn't going on. Like, people will still try to manipulate slaves to still keep on working. And it's yeah. sad. And that's what people don't know. Well, you know, that's a whole other show where we'll get into. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yes, yes, yes. And that's something we're going to be working on for the fall. And I want you to. Yes. To bring it into a summit, hopefully on campus where I come in and we produce a live summit and produce it virtually. I think it's a discussion that needs to be had uh, uh, where we come in and sponsor that and host that. But I, you know, 
dissecting that further when we look at you mm-hmm. know, the effects of slavery on the mentality of Black America, right? So, Mr. Peters, I got a question for you. So, like, you know how you said you didn't really start celebrating Juneteenth until you, like, lived in Arkansas? So, like, what about, like, when, you know, you and Dr. Irvin at Jackson State, like, did y'all really celebrate it on campus or did people really know about it? Wasn't even aware of it. No. Wow. Well, and that's what I mean when I say it's it's a holiday. If you live in Texas, it very much talk about Juneteenth. Yeah. If you're and when Arkansas was very so much talked about, but in Mississippi it wasn't talked about. Mm. It it really wasn't. And you think about it, just last year it became a federal holiday. So only last year. And the Emancipation Proclamation was signed in January of 1863. And General Gordon Granger didn't even arrive in Galveston and hit Texas soil until June 19th. That's why it's called Juneteenth. June 19th of 1865 to let them know that slavery was free, even though the Confederate general, which was the Confederate was the South, mm-hmm. Confederate General Robert E. Lee had already surrendered in the Civil War in, you know, in Virginia, they still didn't change slavery, even though he had surrendered two years earlier. So those are the things that when we look at it from just a historical perspective, a lot of people didn't know, I didn't know, and I'm learning and finding out things as we go now, but we simply just did not know. You gotta stay educated. You gotta educate yourself sometimes, sad to say, but you really do. Um, but I did wanna say, even though he can't be on the show today, I wanna congratulate Dr. Irvin. I don't really know if the audience knows, but he also is the new advisor for the pre-law center at Jackson State. So shout out to Dr. Irvin, always doing big things. We're really excited. I know I'm excited. I'm glad they implemented this at least before I graduated. So <laughs> I hate that I wasn't there in person. I would have loved it in person, but still, I really am excited. And I know Dr. Irvin is going to have some really big things for JSU students. And not only that, I just hope my hope b- before I leave campus, I hope the political the, sci- the political science department improves, like just increases its number of students as well. Like I really hope this encourages students to just not only try to be on the pre-law track, but really get into more politics, not just necessarily to be a politician, but to truly understand how, you know, this like this world and this country works, honestly, truly, so you could be more educated, so you know when to vote, how to vote, um, and all of that such. So shout out to Dr. Irving, he's doing his thing. Yeah, um, let's give him a shout out. You know, we won't steal all this thunder, but there he is. Yes. Vibe on his President of Jackson State, Dr. Thomas Hudson, uh, also a JSU alumnus. So that's two alumnus standing there. Doc was clean on that day, wasn't he? Right. Too sharp. He goes, <laughs> <laughs> too clean. But yeah, shout out to him. I'm super excited. Like, wow. Um, and then also, now, Mr. Peters, what did you, we had, we couldn't discuss before the finals, but what did you have? Who did you want to win for the finals? So, so for the finals, I had Golden State. I really did. I thought it would go seven games. I had Golden State just because they've been there before. They had so much veteran experience. They wouldn't panic. And and I just thought over a seven-game stretch, wisdom experience wins out. The teams were pretty evenly matched. And and Boston was young. They got nobody on that team that had been there before. So I really thought Boston was going to pull through. I at yeah. least wanted them to. No, I knew when Boston did not. Um, I 
I picked Golden State. That was a look concern early on, but when Boston didn't win game three and then they let Golden State tie to get 2-2 at game four, I knew it was over. You knew, right? Yeah. You said, just like my dad. He's like, yeah, it's over. Yeah, because at that point, Golden State has figured out how to, how to attack Boston. It just took me a little while to figure out how to attack them. And there it was. Uh, you know, listen, great run by Boston. Uh, I think they'll be back. The young team, they'll be back. And uh, you have to learn those lessons. But look, Steph and Draymond Green, those guys have been there so many times that they just don't panic and they believe they're supposed to win. And that's that's what makes a winner. They believe they're supposed to win. No matter what the circumstances say, what the clock says, they believe they're supposed to win and they believe they're going to win. Uh, well, that is true. Well, one thing that I did want to start the show off with, well, first, I actually saw this today, so it's really like breaking news. Um, but I don't, I feel like, please print out, like, if, correct me if I'm wrong, Mr. Peters, but it's Yoveda, Texas, like where the shooting just recently happened, or, or you know what I'm saying? So, first of all, I do want to say rest in peace to those victims and their families. Please, we're sending our thoughts and prayers to them. Um, one thing that I will say I saw today is that the superintendent decided that that elementary will be demolished. Um, he said he did not want any teachers or students to really return back to that school after that trauma. So I honestly feel like I hate that it had to go that way just because of a shooter, but I'm glad if it eases the minds of people and citizens in that area. So I thought that was pretty interesting. So I will say that. Well, let me first say uh, to all the families, there is nothing that can ease the minds of those families and ease the grief yeah. of the families. When a senseless act of violence happens, it doesn't have to happen. So there's nothing that we can say or do that can ease that pain and grief for those families. And as a parent, my heart goes out because before I even found out where it was, I just got a text. There's a shooting in, and the person that texted me said there's an active shooting in one of the schools in Dallas. Wow. So as a parent, I'm in my car and I'm headed to my daughter's school and I get halfway there and find out where it actually is. So I can only, I, Listen, I can only empathize, but I think the bigger issue is we have got to address, and I know I take some heat for this, and I, and I want to be clear on this. Gun control does not mean taking away your gun rights. And, 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 and we pit those things up against each other, and that's not true. That's not the right narrative. Uh, I'm, I'm all for gun owners. I'm all for gun ownership. I'm all for the Second Amendment. But gun, everything we do in this in this life, in this society, has rules and law and regulations around it to keep peace and to have what we call organized chaos. Without it, you have chaos. So gun control is no different. We need to set some parameters and restrictions. I'm all for having guns, possessing firearms. I grew up hunting. I grew up having firearms. But there's a difference between having firearms and you as an 18-year-old, you can't buy liquor, but as an 18-year-old, you can go in a store and buy a military-grade assault rifle. That is, that's, that's, that's a problem. That's no control. And, nope. and we have more control over the alcohol we consume than the guns that we consume 
we have a problem as society. So gun control doesn't mean taking away your rights to gun. Gun control simply means there should be a limit on what guns you have access to. And how you have specialized training and a reason to have them. Yes. Now you tell me, why do you need, why does anybody outside of somebody in war times or somebody in defense uh, or, or law enforcement, right? Why does any ordinary citizen need a military grade assault rifle that with 500 clips of ammunition that can go around? You tell me, who are you trying to kill? <laughs> exactly. What are you trying to destroy? Because really? That's, 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 and so that's gun control. So too many times I see, and I read, and we're saying you either for guns or you're against guns, and, and that's not true. That that is a, that is what I call a political slant to push an agenda that's not actually factually true. Gun control can happen, and having guns can happen. They coexist together. We're just saying we need to have control, and not everybody needs to be there for gun. Listen, everybody's not qualified, and not everybody doesn't have the mental capacity to have a gun. Exactly. And that protects your safety and mine. So I think we just have to have those conversations and we have to um, take action on it. And I've been very displeased with, first of all, I want to commend some of the Republicans that have crossed the aisle to try to do the right thing. And I've been very disappointed with what they've been faced with and the backlash they've been faced with, because this is not a, a red or a blue issue. This is a human lives issue. Now we're talking about kids. We're talking about innocent kids, little kids that had nothing to do with your red or your blue. Just nothing kids. to do with your Republican or your Democrat. These are kids that never got a chance to experience life because as adults, we did not protect them. That's the truth. Exactly. I couldn't have said any better. And it's still um, a lot of times I just want to say, like recently, the House of Government Leaders opposed the bipartisan gun deal as Senate moves toward passage. So they're getting it's been a lot of talk about these. I'm going to keep on giving you updates as shows go on when it comes to these gun deals and things of that such, because it really is a big issue, especially after the shooting. Um, especially for Texans. I don't know if he was watching it live, uh, Mr. Peters, but when, yes, yes, when Governor, I want to say Abbott, and I don't know if I say his name right, Beto or Beto. Beto, Beto, yeah. And they were at the conference discussing the shooting, but not only that, you saw Beto starting to argue for citizens saying you do this all the time. When are you going to actually affect change? So Texans specifically, and really just everybody watching, but specifically Texans, Please pay attention to the polls when it comes time. Please yeah. pay attention. Yeah, and, and and again, I just want to finish with this. I am all for gun rights. Yes. And I'm also, just as much as I'm for gun rights, I am also as much for gun control. Yes. Because we have to put some parameters on it. Because, you know, we, you know, we have parameters on everything else to protect us. Why wouldn't we have it on guns? And all I'm saying, you may be qualified and ready to have a gun and act responsibly. That doesn't mean I am. Exactly. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? So exactly. we got to have some some controls around it. And and I'm okay with going through those controls to make sure that I, you know, and that's all I'm saying. So yeah. I'll, I'll leave that where it is. It's a shame that that, that that has to divide us as a nation when kids are dying. 
you know, we, we've watched teenagers be killed at schools. Now it's elementary kids. The same young man killed his, shot his grandmother around the door. Look, it's, I mean, time. It, 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 it's time to stop talking and it's time for action. Yes. Yeah. Gun control, gun rights, but gun safety. So right. yeah. they, they don't have to be independent of each other. To have one don't mean you don't get the other. You can have all of it. Yes. So I will say that. So once again, we would like to say the Urban Law family definitely wants to send their thoughts and prayers out to those families and victims. And hopefully we'll see some improvement within our nation soon. Like I said earlier, pay attention to those polls and the elections that's coming up, y'all. So please pay attention. Um, also, so Ms. Pierce, we had our discussion about this because you informed me on this topic. But this, I wanted to put this out there, not only that, but we also have a lot of young viewers as well, or people that's just interested in like home ownership and things of that such. And I really thought it was interesting. So I really wanted to put this out here. So it's actually in my part of Texas, <laughs> Denton County. Um, basically, so the Providence Village, like HOA, is kicking out Section 8 renters. So it's basically about a dozen families in a small town, like just east of Denton, Texas, and they're looking at having no place to call home. So what's understanding is they're trying to kick out these Section 8 renters within this area. But it's honestly, I thought it was really, truly unethical and unmoral. But until I was educated on it, I could see how and why it's being done. I hate that it is being done, but I would like to give it to the semi-expert, the homeowner, to explain it. Yeah, well, let me first say this. I'm not for anybody necessarily being kicked out. I think there needs to be some parameters and some time. Right. And giving a proper amount of time to find somewhere else to go. And they should provide assistance in helping them find somewhere else to go. Now, as a homeowner, I do understand the other side of that, right? And so typically, um, just for clarification, Let's talk about what Section 8 is. It's not a bad thing. Section 8 is subsidized housing where your rent is partially or sometimes majorly or majorly subsidized by the government. So you you and you may be in a situation, say the rent to that is, I don't know, say it's $2,000 a month. And maybe if it's on Section 8, you subsidize, maybe you only pay $400. So either way, what's happening is, and what homeowners are saying, so it's two things at issue. So when you have people that move out of a neighborhood, they still own the home, they don't sell the home, and they lease that home out and they put it on Section 8. Let's talk about why people put it on Section 8 in the first place. People put it on Section 8 because the rent is guaranteed it's never going to be late because it's paid directly to you by the government. Right? Okay. Why people put it on Section 8 because they don't want to have to chase the rent or, chase, or be a proper landlord that's that's one thing. Number two, as a neighborhood, the reason why you might not like that as your neighbor, because when you, anytime you have a lot of rentals in your neighborhood or renters in your neighborhood, and this, look, this is not universal. There's always uh, exceptions to every rule. Mm-hmm. But as a commonplace, renters do not take care of the property at the level that homeowners do mm. simply because the property is not there. Yes. And what I mean by that, keeping the grass 
cutting back the maintenance of the home, particularly in neighborhoods, you're talking about where they're renting homes, mm-hmm. maintenance and upkeep. You know, when you have a home, you got to repaint that home every so often. You've got to, uh, if you have uh, a damage that's done, you've got to file an insurance claim to get that stuff fixed. You have to keep that stuff fixed and repaired in order to keep your neighborhood and your and your appreciation of value of your homes at a certain level. Also, people that tend to be homeowners don't tend to do some things that can that can deteriorate the value of the neighborhood, which means there's typically not a lot of cars in the driveway. But so it's the same cars, right? Okay. The garages are they keep things really neat and organized. They they keep the grass watered. They keep it manicured. They keep the houses up, you know, upkeep, and upkeep. So the general maintenance, they do those things sometimes. And there are runners that do that as well. But not all. <laughs> right. And in most cases, the renters that take that approach and keep up and upkeep the, um, the property that they even treated like their zone, they represent a small part of the whole. Mm. Small minority of that big majority because the majority of renters don't. And, and so if they're not taking care of the property and the property value is going down, and particularly when you got an owner that is out of state, so they're not seeing it every day, that house cannot go down. So what if that grass is not being cut regularly? So for example, my grass is, is, is on a contract, it's going to get cut every other week. Well, if, if I'm a renter, maybe I ain't got time to cut mine, I might let it go three weeks, four weeks, right? Yep. <laughs> What does that do to the neighborhood? It affects the property value. Mm. So that's why homeowners are upset because you're paying taxes as homeowners. Renters are not. They're just paying rent. You're paying taxes to the school system that, that where the schools get their money to fund. You're paying taxes to the oh. city. Oh, yeah. And you're also paying, if you got an HMO, a homeowners association, you're paying HMA dues. I honestly didn't even think about it. Yes. So you get taxed and you're paying from all angles, and this person is living beside you that's a renter is not, and they're not taking care of the property. That's going to upset you. So I think you've seen moves by HMAs to really discourage that, to where say, and and I see now legislation move to where there's no, if you buy in this neighborhood, you you cannot rent it out, you can sell, but you cannot lease it out. That type of thing for that reason. Right. Now, whether it's constitutional or not, that's one for Dr. Irvin. But I do <laughs> understand why people are, why homeowners are upset. And I also understand why the renters get upset. But in this case, uh, the homeowners are the ones for the bill. So, OK, I got another question for you. And we're kind of steering. It's like steering away from the topic, but not really. But, you know, you're a credit guru. So that's why I really want to ask. So I'm young and I want to own a home. So, and this helped me out too because I'm about to be an adult. <laughs> so, yeah, real quick, yeah, real quick. So, like, when it comes to like buying a house, what is the, like, how is your credit supposed to go? Like, does that come into play? Like, how does that really work? I'm really interested now. Not gonna lie. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, credit comes to play in everything. Okay. The foundation of what you do, and I have to say that you know, just like you, Kennedy, I didn't have the luxury of having a credit guru. Uh, having access to one when I was in college, and I made all the mistakes. You know, I, I think we got something fundamentally wrong in our system. You, you can enter college as a freshman with no job, 
no source of income, and they give you a credit card with a thousand dollar limit and a t shirt. <laughs> That's a recipe for disaster, right there. Right, right. Because when you get hungry on that Friday night, and the you gonna use that credit, and you gonna go to the gas station to get you something to eat, and you gonna end up that 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 ten dollar meal you got at the gas station, that chicken box, and them drinks and snacks you got. By the time you get through paying the interest on that. By the time you you don't pay it over three hundred dollars for that, so <laughs> I, I tell people, um, understanding credit is so critical. We have a course, uh, and I'll get you guys to link. You can go right on our website. There's a course. It's called Credit One Hundred One. Sixty nine dollars teach you everything you need to know about the basics to help you stay out of that situation and how to make sure you're optimizing your credit score. Here's what I can tell you. I'm gonna give you an example, somebody of how credit affects you. In a real, real, real way. So right now, okay, uh, to shave off the the inflation. So first of all, when we talk about inflation, what is inflation? Inflation happens anytime that demand outpaces supply. Mm. When you have too much demand and not enough supply, you're gonna have an inflation. Mm. When you have too much supply and not enough demand, prices go down. Right. See, other way, prices go up. And when you have too much supply and not enough demand, prices go down. So we're in a market right now where there's too much demand and there's not enough supply in terms of housing. So the prices went up. So in order to slow people down from buying houses, the federal government, uh, Federal Reserve Bank increased the interest rates. And so over the last year, it's gone from 3%, a little over 3% to over 6% headed towards 7%. Now, here's the difference what that means. When you buy a house in the market, so now, let's say you were balling. You balling out of college, not like I was, but let's say <laughs> you, you big balling, and you're going to go buy you a $300,000 house. Well, at 3%, all right, now, it, I'm, I'm being fictitious, because <laughs> you're getting out of college, you buy a $300,000 house. We're going to talk, because I'm coming up with you something, right? Right. But, but but realistically, just to make the numbers make sense, say you buy a $300,000 house mm-hmm. and 3%, that mortgage may only be $2,500, right? Okay. So if you're making six figures, you can easily pay that mortgage. You, you got a humongous, beautiful home. Here's where it gets tricky. Let's say now where the interest rates go from 3% to where they are, that same $300,000 house is no home $300,000. That house now in a market like this is six hundred thousand, and the interest rate is not three percent. The interest rate is six and a half. So now, when you buy that house, that mortgage is over four thousand, almost five thousand a month. Can you afford that same house? No, no one can afford that house. So that is is kind of what's going on, and that's why the government has done that to decrease the demand. How's it in order to slow inflation down and to level supply and demand out? So to try to, shave, to, try to, um, to keep a recession from happening. So that that's kind of the economics of it all. So like, okay, so well, okay, so one, when you're like trying to buy a house, what's the ideal credit score? Like the ideal credit score that you feel like people should have, and then two, so you know, you just explained the inflation and everything. So how can we bring the inflation back down? Like, will that happen over time? Like, Over time, over time. And so the way you bring it down, you have to levelize supply and demand. Supply and demand should be about equal. If you're at an optimum, 
optimal capacity, your supply and demand are leveled out, where it's about even. You got enough supply to meet the demand. You don't have too much of either. That's okay, the okay. economy situation, and that's the economy of scale. But, but to answer your question about a, a credit score you ideally want to have, now people tell you you can buy a house with a six eighty. You can buy. Yes, you can. But it's not ideal. Higher interest rate. Okay. So okay. where you ideally want to be is seven fifty, and you always want to be in the seven hundred club. But ideally, your target is seven fifty or higher. If you're seven fifty or higher, you're going to get the best interest rate. You want to be seven fifty or higher across all three bureaus. With your FICO score. And the way they calculate that in housing, you have three bureaus, Equifax, TransUnion, Experian. They take the middle score. That's the score they use. So if you got a 750, a 760, and a 752, yeah. you're scored 752. Okay. 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 So that's that's what they use. So you want to make sure you use FICO and they'll use that. So you want to make sure you understand um, if you, if I gave a free webinar on this early in the year. I dropped tons of great knowledge. Yes. A lot of people took advantage of you. If you didn't, shame on you. Uh, but I'm always drive. Join our group on Facebook, The Credit Corner, T H E E Credit Corner. We drop free information in that every Thursday, and we're giving the game to you for free. But you need to understand how to build credit how to optimize your score and how to keep it high. And that's the parts that they're never going to teach you because they don't want you to know how to understand how to use credit cards properly, how to use it in a way it helps you, understanding when what your real due date is, what are your blackout days you should never use your card. All those things are very critical. And so if nobody teaches you that, if you don't learn that, you're going to make mistakes. Tell them, we will teach you, Mr. Peter. We'll teach you. We'll teach you. Just join, just join our program. <laughs> Join <laughs> our program. Yeah, so visit our site, Urban R R V I N Law Credit Repair um, dot com, and I'll, I'll make sure we put that in the uh, chat here. I think I had that in there yes. one time. I'll make sure I get that up there. Yes, and then so and then also this is another question. I don't know if you heard about it. Um, it's kind of breaking news too that since we're kind of talking about credit and inflation and everything like that so i just want to keep on informing our family but have you heard about the gas boycott yet for july 3rd through the 5th uh it's not the first time that that's happened okay. uh, uh it's, it's typically something that always happens when the, when the price of gas goes high right? but okay yeah, so the question uh, is yeah, it probably isn't the first time. This is the first time it really has affected me, though, for real, for real, since I started driving. <laughs> but I do want to say, how does that even work? And is that even possible? Because people are saying if it's no gas, you know, people people are basically, and I've kind of saw this through social media, so that I kind of started, you know, reading on it, but I, it's hard for me to just tell who to believe or what. But how does that even work to bring down the gas prices if nobody buys gas for those three days? How can we reevaluate the pricing as just a well, customer? What I'll do, I, I'll bring your attention to something. So the last time gas prices dropped dramatically, and I'll take you to the point. Remember in June of 2020, mm -hmm. uh, everybody yeah. was regulated to the house. Everything was shut down. Uh, April, May, June of 2020. Gas, nobody was driving to work. Everybody was remote. What happened to gas prices? It went down completely. I could fill up my car 
My card is costing me $75 to fill up now. I filled up for 28 bucks because gas dropped all the way down to a dollar and 16 cents a gallon. Supply and demand. What did I tell you? No demand for gas because everybody was home. Ah, so they got a lower okay. price. Nobody wants the gas. Okay. So if they lower okay. prices enough, it makes people come out and just fill up anyway, even though they're not going anywhere. So mm. think about it. Think about how many people get in the road and commute to work every day. Overnight, that stopped. That is true. So when you have that much, and it stopped all over the world. And so when you have that much demand that disappears, prices have no choice but to go down. So you have, okay, then. I just wanted to see if that was really, you know, real. So I have like. But here's the problem. Here's the problem. Yeah, that's what, yeah. <laughs> so the question is not, does it make good economics? It's the question is, can it actually be implemented and carried out? Right. And that's the challenge you're going to have with something like that because people still got to get to work, so they still got to drive. So not everybody can participate in that. And so what, and a lot of people just won't. And so what happens <laughs> is you don't have enough significant mass to it's really affect the black Okay, okay. I was just, I was like, man, I've never really, but now, you know, at first I was like, this never really happened to me, but gas is a, well, it's not affecting me now because I don't have my car. But when I was in Texas, that I used to be able to, I will never forget, I got my, um the car that I have now, I got it um, in high school. I was able to fill my tank up and I had premium at least with $30. Now it's like $70. <laughs> and now I was like, this is a lot, especially when I was in college. Like sometimes my parents would send me money and I was like, can I get some more? And they'd be like, why? I just gave you like $100. I was like, yeah. And $70 went to my gas tank. <laughs> like, <laughs> so... I don't know. We'll see. I'm hoping that a lot of these, like the really the economy will, I don't want to say work itself out because it's not just going to easily be like that. But I do hope it will be fixed sooner rather than later with these gas prices and inflation. Yeah, I, I think it'll, it'll get fixed. And remember now, we got outside forces that's causing gas to go up. You know, the war with Russia. Russia supplied a large yeah. of gas, not just to the U.S., but to the world. And so... Yeah. Even if you lose five to seven percent of your your gas import, the amount of gas that comes in that hurts dramatically. You know, because you got to think about how much gas comes in. Now, if you if you drive an electric car, you laughing all the way to the bank right now. <laughs> so, no, for real, know, they yeah, laugh in our face, Mister Peterson. <laughs> so it just depends on where you are in that spectrum. Yeah. We, we, we've been longer than we promised. Let's get on out of here. We so did. Okay, we're going to get on out of here. Second one. Yes. Some of these other topics, but what are we going to wrap up on? We're going to wrap up on this. This is the last one. So, actually, I just wanted to send our thoughts and prayers out to um, our Alcorn family also as well. It was a former police chief at Alcorn State. He was killed while he was on an early morning walk um, this past Wednesday. Um, his name was Bernadette Wilson, and he was 64 years old. And so they said that the incident happened around 5.40 a.m. on Cannonsburg Road. So it was about 200 yards away from the house in Jefferson County. Um, those in the vehicle, they struck Wilson and they stayed on the scene until then. So basically from what the article was telling me is that he was actually hit with a vehicle and the vehicle slammed on his The vehicle slammed on their brakes to avoid hitting the first vehicle. And then the second vehicle kind of just swerved and hit Wilson while he was uh, walking. So we definitely do want to give our thoughts and prayers out to them as well. Um, 
and I do want to wrap it up with oh, one thing I will say also while being here at this program is very motivating because you see a lot of um, black students, uh, a lot of uh, educated, well, black students. I have a lot of my cohorts. I have like two from Morehouse, one from Spelman, um, two from NCAT. It's a lot of other programs here in this building. So Kennedy, one, just remind everybody again where you are, what program you're referring yes. to. Yes. Oh, yes. It's the Summer Research Opportunity Program here at the University of Michigan. At and, and, and how, did you, how did you get? How did you I, get there? I mean, I'm, I'm just saying. I, I applied, and after Mr. Peters and Dr. Urban got on to me and make sure I applied because okay. I almost didn't apply. So okay. thank you to them. So, yes. But it is very um, inspiring. It's even a Jackson native here. He actually goes to Rose College. But he saw, my, you know, I, um, my peer, Erin, she's like my, you know, she goes to Jackson State as well. He saw her with a JSU, uh, like, sweatshirt on. He's like, oh, you People know, know who JSU, people know who JSU is. Yes, he was like, I'm from Jackson. So, and a lot of my HBCU course, we've been talking about homecoming. So, Mr. Peters, what's a game that you are excited for this year? That's what I want to end it on. Listen, I'm going to tell you, I'm so excited for Orange Blossom Classic. That's um, <laughs> because because what, what is happening, Orange Blossom Classic, because of the way the SWAC is set up now, particularly the Eastern Division, it has literally become whoever wins Orange Blossom Classic probably wins the SWAC East. And, it's and, 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 and like, if you look at last year, we beat FAMU by one point. We don't lose another game. FAMU is chasing us for the rest of the season, just needing us to mess up once, and we don't. And we have the pressure that we got to stay perfect. Yes. It could be flipped. So it's so much riding on that on that Orange Blossom class. It's so much riding on that game. <laughs> and, and what I would tell people, there's three tickets available. This year is going to sell out. Last year, yes. COVID kept a lot of people back. This year, it's going to sell it's, out. Yeah. It's yeah, be- I need to buy my ticket. I'm so focused on getting my uh, my plane ticket in my Airbnb. That's That's <laughs> yeah, I got to get one. And the other one is homecoming, because I want to see how we handle Campbell, which uh, is outside of SWAC, um, a non-HBCU. And I want to see how, if we show up and play when we play outside of our conference, because that's mm. something we haven't always done. And I really need us to beat Campbell. I need us to beat him decisively at our homecoming. And I need us to dominate this year. I literally need us to destroy the, the, the opponent each and every week this year. We need to make a statement from September 4th all the way to the Celebration Bowl in Atlanta. I want to see a bunch of keep butts. And I really want to see <laughs> all up and down the highway. Uh, because I want us to be that dumb with people out there. Yes. It's yes. Jackson. It's Jackson it and everybody else. No, it is. I will say that. I'll never forget. We had a tour here at the stadium at University of Michigan. And um, the guy, the tour guy was like, yeah, University of Michigan has the best band. When I tell you, me and Aaron, we said, we just, <laughs> we looked at we said, are you for real? <laughs> like, okay, we going to let you What you should have said, what you should have said, excuse me, excuse me. Have you heard the boom? What is your reference point? Since y'all looked at doing research, what is your reference point? Are you saying they have the best band in the Big Ten? (laughs) What what, what were you saying? The best band in the Midwest? What is your reference point? Because you're going to have to clarify that question. Right. Or that statement, rather. Yes, but I have to agree with you. I really am excited for, um, you know, I am excited for the Orange Blossom Classic, but really I'm excited for, um, 
for homecoming, but Alcorn. I have never been to like the stadium at Alcorn, and I know that's gonna be a different type of breed of a game. Okay, Kennedy, let me tell you, you and gotta I'm get that go super in. early. You you gotta get that super yeah, early. I heard you, you, you can't be late and you won't get in. I mean, Alcorn, they only have twenty some thousand seats. Really? So that's oh, it. Yeah. Y'all get spoiled by by the vet. Nobody else has the seating capacity. <laughs> You can't scroll your butt up in that late time about going to a game. Okay. If that game started at one o'clock, you gotta be there yourself to get okay. in. Well, I'm gonna have to tell my line sisters I'm not playing. You either in my car, you go. <laughs> I'm not I, I, I mean, really, you you have to be there at 7 a.m. to get in line to get in. That's it's it's one way in and one way out. So how long it take to get lead again? You're gonna be there for a while. I don't want to drive my car because that gas. Okay, but it's <laughs> all right. Well, that's what I wanted to end the show on right there. So good. Be I love JSU spirit. Um, I hope you all enjoyed the show. Please make sure to join our credit program, the credit corner program on Facebook. Join it. You're gonna get a lot of credit tips from the credit guru himself, Mr. Peters. Um, this was pretty fun, Everlong family. I've missed you all. I really have. I've missed y'all a lot. So yes. Mr. Peters, take us out. Any other final remarks while you take us out? Man, keep doing what you're doing. Keep representing us up in Michigan. Make sure you make us proud. Uh, Thank you. When do you, when do you return? Back August 4th. Up. And then I have to leave right to JSU on August 9th because I'm a student. Right. <laughs> yeah. so, so we did we didn't connect. Maybe when you get back in August 4th, we catch that. We will. Before you jump out. So we got to make it happen, all right? Yes. All right. Hi, right, family. Enjoy the rest of the evening. We're gonna try to try to come to you on Thursday nights now that we found a group for the summer, and we'll be playing with some different times. We got some new exciting things coming. Join the Credit Corners free yes uh, group. You will have to apply to be in, and Kennedy will let you in, so no problem there. But just make sure you get the request, and we will give you the tools and walk you through how to build great credit. And no, despite you might have had bad credit all your life, you can turn it around. I once had bad credit too, really, really bad. And and now I'm, I'm in the top tier. And so that's where you want to be. You want to be able to qualify the fine print where it says 0% interest for qualified buyers. I'm in that group. You want to be there. Exactly. All, right. All right. So that's where we want to get you to. Until next time, have a good one. Bye, y'all. Thank you.